Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hey, this is Richard Jacobs from Future Tech Podcast, almost here, round the corner technology. And today I'm speaking with Leland Hedges, uh, Vice President of Product and Marketing for VirtuallyLive.com. And they have a VR application that allows people to participate in sporting events uh, in a completely different way than they do now and, you know, essentially in an augmented way. How are you doing, Leland? I'm doing great. Um, so... Can you give folks a sketch, a uh, better sketch probably than I could, of what Virtually Live does and, um, you know, what you focus on? Yeah, sure. So Virtually Live is a, a kind of unique new technology that's only possible through virtual reality. I'll give you the the super brief summary, which is we put you at the heart of the action. So you are able to go down onto the field and watch athletes as they're competing, or you can be in any race car during uh, a motorsport. Um, and the more long-winded, complicated thing or complicated way of explaining it is uh, we take a different kind of data that's being captured at these events. So we take object data and we use that data to um, recreate the locations and the movements of the players in real time in uh, CGI, which is like computer graphics. So we use uh, game engines like you would see in a traditional video game. Mm -hmm. And uh, and all of this is uh, kind of on the bleeding edge of what it means to do um, virtual reality development right now. That's really cool. So um, what sport is your main focus or is it uh, a whole bunch of sports? I mean, we're looking at data across a wide spectrum of sports. We're very lucky that the quantification of sports, you know, if you're a fan of baseball or let's pick basketball and Golden State, a lot of people, a lot of the, the GMs behind the basketball business, you know, are starting to use the same money ball approaches that baseball has been pioneering to deal with um, player injuries, how many minutes they should uh play per game and, and looking at, you know, percentages of shots and coming up with all kinds of interesting de- defensive schemes when you're talking about baseball. Mm-hmm. So to do all of those tactics and strategies and ideas, you need really robust data. We use the same data, but we turn it into a, a consumer centric form of entertainment. Um, so yeah, like the, the, as I said, the quantification of sports is kind of a trend that we're able to use. But in our case, we're uh, trying to give the fan the ultimate fan experience. Like we look at what's happening in live sports when you go to an, uh, when you attend a a live event, um, like like a baseball game or whatever, you know, most of the cheap tickets are in very bad locations within the stadium. I mean, the ambiance and the atmosphere is amazing. But what you can actually effectively see, given human sight, can be, you know, players on the field are quite small sometimes. Um, right. And then you have this, like, high-definition experience that you get at home. We try and find something that's a hybrid or taking the best of both 
uh, approaches to basically give you the detail that you would expect through TV, but with the ambiance and the atmosphere that you've come to expect um, when you attend live events. So, you know, one thing that's really unique about our app is that it's social. So I was watching a race um, with a bunch of colleagues a couple of weeks ago. It was the Marrakesh race for Formula E. And I was sitting on my couch in San Francisco and there were other people from our company and, and our company is kind of as offices located in a couple different places. And we're all watching an event that's happening in Morocco from our respective homes and offices in real time. So it's, it's, um, yeah, I think your podcast is a, is a good forum to have these kind of conversations. Yeah. Well, a couple of ideas come to mind. I don't know if you do it, but let's say, um, you know, watching a football game, are you able to do, um, an overlay on the action? Let's say, um, you know, someone's going back to, to throw the ball. Can you pause it and maybe the computer calculates the trajectory of the ball and then people can, you know, even like verbally make bets on whether the pass will, you know, be completed or not. Um, you know, when players are running around, are you able to put data or information on top of them or, you know, speech bubbles or those kinds of things? Or is uh, the experience different from that? Yeah, I mean, you've you've outlined some um scenarios kind of functionality that we're constantly thinking about um the first thing that you said is can you pause you can pause but if i pause as a as a specific user and i'm in a a shared space with a bunch of other users um then i have to be then i'm seeing something different than what everybody else is seeing unless right i'm the user who controls time so like time manipulation just to pick an element of what you talked about is kind of interesting because, you know, if you want to watch like one way of thinking about what we're doing is we're creating like the ultimate sports bar that people from all over the world can join. Um, and so we want everybody to be watching the same content at the same time. So manipulating gotcha. time for us is something that we allow people to do, but like after the fact. So after the event's done, if you want to go back in and like create your own custom highlight reel, you know, like pick mm. different locations to watch the action from and fast forward and rewind. That's totally easy for us to do. Uh, when you're talking about the live event, some of the other stuff that you were saying, like allowing people to do predictions. So having kind of a real time poll of, you know, what player are they going to run next? Or uh, if, you know, what pitch is the pitcher going to pick pitch next? Like kind of wisdom of the crowd stuff. We've definitely mm -hmm. been playing around with that. That's kind of a, a fun way of, fostering social um, behavior and and back to the underlying statistical overlays that's just like um, inherent in the data that we're using that we can um, uh, as I said overlay like this is the speed at which this player is currently moving or um, a little less like the this is the you know this shot has like a 30% versus a 40% um, chance at this specific moment um but mm. a lot of a lot of details about player performance can easily be visualized in a much more natural way relative to the action that's happening so you can look at a player and above the player you'll see like a stats card that'll say uh, at least in the case of soccer you know the two or three metrics that are most relevant like passes completed or um, right. how many tackles they've done or 
you know, something like uh, if you think about in soccer, players having a yellow card, if you think about FIFA as a video game, they do a pretty good job like having a, the players who have yellow cards have a slightly different uh, halo over them so that you know mm-hmm. that's like uh, contextual information that now you know that player, if they're, if they're not careful and they get another yellow card, they're going to get a red card, then they're going to get sent off. So, yeah, that right. kind of data viz stuff is, is absolutely um, possible, feasible within, the, within what we're doing. What about uh, different perspectives? You know, can you be the ball? Can you be the? Can you see watch from the perspective of various players, or again, the ball yeah. itself? Yeah. So the ball is is uh very is specifically a little bit problematic because the ball moves around a lot and in VR, and you don't control the direction. Like you have to think about: Do you want to place the camera that is the user inside the ball, or do you want to have the camera? What we found is you don't want the user to feel like they're the ball for a million reasons, but having a camera that tracks the ball. Um, so from a, from a distance seeing like having the ball basically guide what you're looking at. So you follow the ball around the field feels mm-hmm. re- feels okay. Um, absolutely. You can um, be, you can occupy the exact same physical space on the field that any of the players are occupying. I mean, we allow you to go anywhere on the field, right? Actually, anywhere in the stadium. And if you think about Formula E, we allow you to go anywhere around the track. The track is a couple kilometers long. So, like, you're talking about a geographic distance in the real world that would be impossible to cover over the course of an event. Like, I've been to a number of these races now. You're lucky if you go to one or two corners before the race is over because of all the time it takes to find a seat and then get up and walk to another location. Um, So yeah, this idea of you having absolute 100% uh, agency, you know, freedom control is, uh, is something that makes us very different from a lot of other VR live event companies who are using cameras because when you're using 360 cameras, you're, you're, you are, by definition, where the camera is, is where, you know, however many cameras you put in the stadium, that's how many different locations you can um, switch between as a user. Right, right. So this is uh, more of an augmented reality because you're using the goggles, the virtual reality goggles, right? Well, no, so it's a, it's a, it's actually, you know, we like to say it's kind of true VR, real VR. Um, It is, uh, it is using the current tethered headsets, so the Oculus and the HTC, and and we'll be working with PlayStation soon, supporting PlayStation mm-hmm. soon. Um, it is currently a VR. It's being um, delivered as a product, as a VR product, but as an AR product, it would be great as well. So. Um, I personally think that the distinction between AR and VR is is um, unfair or just a moment in time uh in the same way that you know music players and phones made sense to ultimately uh merge into one form factor one device i think you'll have a a a product that you can access in your home that can do augmented reality as well as virtual reality um and so we will we will be supporting augmented reality as well the the use case there is a little different it's more like 
you're ha you're you're looking down at the action. It's maybe on the table or um, being projected on a wall or something. So it's it's a little less immersive than what we're doing with virtual reality. Okay, that makes sense. So what have, what have you noticed that people are doing with the technology that's expected or expected? You know, how does it change people's experience and what do they do that they didn't do before? Yeah, I mean, the the thing that we allow people to do that is most, um, that is totally different from what we expected, what they expected is like, um, if you think about motorsports or if you think about any sport where uh, there are lots of things happening at once, where there is like a ball by definition kind of grounds a sport around a specific focal point. Whereas in like motorsports or golf, um, there could be, there, there are kind of exciting stories happening uh, both in first place and among the drivers in the middle of the pack and people at the back of the, an accident can happen anywhere um, to any of the drivers at any point. Right. So um TV is forced to pick a single story that they tell across any one event. We're finding that our users, different users are, are sitting in cars that are not necessarily getting any uh, coverage during the TV broadcast, for instance, you know? So users okay. are being given, as I said, the freedom to kind of watch exactly what they want to watch. And for whatever reason, some user, many users are gravitating towards drivers because I'm going to use Formula E a lot as an example. That's our most sure. you know, close to being complete product that we have. Um, people are probably the distribution of people and where they are in which cars is very different than the di than if you went back and looked at a TV broadcast and how much time the TV broadcast spent on each of those cars. So what are you noticing that people like to focus on? Is it because they like a particular driver? Or um, like how often does what they want to see differ from what the sports show shows and what they focus on? Uh, yeah, no, I don't have a good like statistical number to throw at you like uh, or a good analogy. I think um, your your instincts and my instinct, uh, my, what I would say is is that I think you're right in that people have preferences towards certain drivers or teams or stories that isn't always about who's going to win. Um, and maybe that's driven by uh, your preference for the, in the case of motorsports, you're talking about, you know, pretty popular car brands. You're talking about drivers who also compete in other, sometimes compete in other um, parts of the motorsport. You know, they'll race in other leagues. So maybe you started off being a fan of the driver because you first encountered them in a different motorsport, and now you find that they're racing in Formula E. Um, like, right. um, I don't know if you watched the Grand Tour on Amazon, but one of the Formula E drivers uh, had, was on the first episode, and he was driving one of the supercars, you know, I didn't know who that driver. If I if I hadn't been watching Formula E, I don't think I would have known who that driver was, Ambrosio. Right. But now I'm making kind of connections as a fan of Formula E to this driver that I certainly would have had uh, before. Okay. 
Yeah, well, that leads into the question I was about to ask you. You know, what have you noticed about your own behavior or your friends' or coworkers' behavior? How are you guys watching a given sport differently? What have you noticed about what's changed with you with this system? Yeah, I mean, I happened to, as I said, the Marrakesh race, actually, our, our CEO was, and I were in the same room, and he was, we were switching between the VR and the TV just to, like, compare notes. And and at one point, there was a really cool battle between two drivers that was happening, and it wasn't happening on the TV, and I was I was kind of, the TV was covering off on some other, something else happening in the race. I, it was just kind of a, um, I think the, the thing that you notice uh if you if you go to like a live um event if you go like i went to barcelona not too long ago to see fc barcelona play for the first time and and your view of like a soccer player is so um specific to what you see on tv so if you pick messi on tv he always has the ball at his feet he's like super dynamic you know you think of him as this um amazing super athlete which he is he's one of if not the best players in the world but like when you right. watch him in a in a soccer game when he's not on tv most of that time he's kind of walking i mean he's he's what makes him so amazing <laughs> is that he's really really good at conserving energy and knowing like when to go from you know um passive mode to active mode in a way that's like amazing but but he actually spends as does every soccer player, they spend a lot of the game kind of see, watching the play develop in another part of the field and waiting for the, yeah. you know, if they're an attacker, they're waiting for the ball to be brought forward. If they're a defender and the ball's on the other side of the field, they're just kind of holding their shape, right? Like, so hmm. So I guess all the nuances and details that you get um, watching the live event in person it's it's cool to see that we can deliver some of that insight uh, to people uh, wearing the VR headsets. So sports could either be a letdown or it could be more exciting than you thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I think uh, sports is. If you watch a lot of sports, a lot of sports. I, I guess for me, the thing that you know, having not worked in a professional sporting company before, or a sports company, um, if you really, really watch a lot of sports, it 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 isn't, it's not that exciting all the time. Like the other thing that we haven't talked as much about is the idea of being able to do this socially with other people. So like being, a, you know, seeing something and then turning to another avatar or another somebody that you're friends with and having like a natural conversation. Like I watch a, a lot of, a lot of soccer in the morning at home by myself, but I have family members and friends who I know are watching the same game. And like, I I'm forced to resort to sending text messages or WhatsApp or whatever. But like in, in, in our version of VR that we're working on, they can be in the stadium with me. We can be seated next to each other and we can be having a, a, a pretty um, realistic social interaction on top of the sports that's being played out in front of us. So, you know, if, okay. if I rarely see, I rarely hear of people who go to like sporting events by themselves. Usually you go to the, to the live event um, in part that's to true. hang out with that's someone. True. Yeah. What about, um, 
do I have the ability to watch a game and mark it up, you know, with arrows or exclamation marks or things that I want to put in it, and then my friends can watch my view of the game and things I wanted them to see? Yeah, absolutely. So already today with uh, services like t Twitch and YouTube, you can think of any virtual live user as being their own kind of TV broadcaster to the rest of the world. Where you know, if I want to, if you wanted to follow me on Twitch, you could see everything that I was seeing, um, not in not in VR. Obviously, you'd be watching it on your laptop or your phone or whatever. Um, well, we I mean live. Know, if I'm watching sorry, with what? you, it's, it, what if I'm watching with you live and I say, "Hey, Lena, look at this, look at that," and I circle something, you know, in the VR system, can you see it? Or what do you think about this? Or look at this? Or you know, can I? through the VR system can I communicate with you and show you things as we're watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can you can communicate to people so absolutely you can communicate to anybody else who's wearing a VR headset who's in the same event that you're in um and you can gesture towards things and point things out and and you too as as people in this space are going to be able to you can like uh, phone your friend and be like hey i'm behind the goal it's about to be a penalty shootout you should come and join me actually we're mm -hmm. we're going to allow some users if they want to kind of create their own yeah. like following so you're maybe you are the world's most knowledgeable person about like a specific player or a specific driver and you want to set up like your own um you want to allow other people in virtually live to to listen to your audio, right? So to replace the like TV broadcast with your commentary. And if you want to grow a following, if you want to have people subscribe to your channel to use like YouTube lingo, absolutely you can. The cool thing about us is you can also just use YouTube or Twitch to take your VR experience and extend it out to anyone who's got an internet connected um, device that works with Twitch or YouTube. You know, um, you think that there'll be, um, I mean, this may be outside of your scope, but do you think that you'll be able to create licensing deals with individual players or the franchises themselves where you'll get custom views that other people can't get and, you know, use them in your VR? Yeah, so I think the question will be for I mean, we're obviously working, you know, with Formula E and we're working with a lot of the teams and um, the drivers. We'd love to create custom content associated with any of the brands or any of the athletes involved in these sports as like added value for our users. So uh, we have um, already modeled something called the Emotion Club, which is the VIP area for Formula E. And we've modeled the pit lanes and like in the world of motorsport, being able to go into the pit lane or going into the emotion club is um, it's kind of like sacred ground. It's like going in the locker room for a, mm. for a soccer team or a football team or whatever. You know, it's one of those spaces that where the athletes want to feel comfortable and they're not going to let thousands of people go in there. So they're going to limit access. So we can absolutely like, um build these these uh cool spaces and then work with the athletes work with the teams work with the sponsors to fill those spaces with uh unique cool interactive 
um, experiences like checking out a new product, maybe that one of the sponsors of that team wants to um, share with users or whatever. I mean, the the right. opportunities for um, marketing and advertising within VR are kind of endless. Like you can have a pizza box on a table in the emotion room. And if you look at it for more than two seconds, a little notification could pop up and say, hey, your closest pizza, your closest Domino's or pizza or whatever it is, is five minutes away. Do you want me to order you one? I mean, you can um, obviously mm. have 3D modeled objects that are connected to some kind of e-commerce <laughs> uh back end where okay. you like just make where you you're removing points of friction and make it easy for users to look at something interact with a virtual version of it and then if they like the virtual version i mean here's a here's a simple thing that we're thinking about like your avatar you might want to buy the jersey for the new player that your team just signed um so offering the virtual jersey is is relatively easy but what if you know a certain version of that virtual jersey also came with the physical jersey and it could be sent to your home so that in however many days a package arrives and now like the jersey that you got that what that came with your or that you bought to you know deck out your avatar the physical right. good also you also are, are buying the physical good effectively as part of the a bundle that's cool. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's kind of unusual. Um, what if there's a sporting event and there's advertising in it, but your system can remove that? Um, do you think that that'll be a factor in, in what you offer? Or can your system change up the advertising that's in there? If it's a product placement or an announcement or, you know, can you, can you change the experience that way? Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 leagues and the rights holders are really very aware of are are very clear about how they want advertising to be handled. You know, they've done the deals that they've done with um, their partners. Um, so let's put it this way: in VR, someday I know a lot about you in the same way that I can that you have custom advertising targeted advertising on online you can do the same kind mm -hmm. of targeting within vr i think what makes vr um more more interesting is like i know exactly what you looked at right like i know that when mm -hmm. you were walking around this recreation of the stadium and you paused in the concourse and you looked at something like a like an ad or whatever it is a piece of creative um, right. You looked at that. The you looked at a hundred percent of that ad for three seconds or two seconds. Like right. that kind of reporting, I think, is what's going to make. I think the mechanics of serving um, targeted advertising isn't is has already kind of been is well well established within the online world. What's going to make VR, I think, different and maybe better is that the reporting will be like uh, there's a lot of intention um, that we're capturing from the user, like where are they looking, if they pick up something, that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, not that you would, but you could step in front of the advertising and the viewer's experience and change it 
remove it, add to it, you know, all those things. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there, but it just came up in my head. No, I think um, the, I think your question about advertising is an interesting one, only because some parts of advertising, like in, in soccer, they have advertising on the on the jersey. So like changing the advertising on the jersey actually may um, make the experience sound, feel less um, authentic because you're like, well, the player is supposed to have this sponsor, but I'm being given a different sponsor. I think there's probably different rules about just because you can change everything in the experience, you're probably going to want to keep some large percent of the existing partnerships and branding and sponsorship because that's what you would really experience if you went there. And then there's probably elements of the experience where if I switched an ad from being a, a global brand to a local brand, but within the same the same uh category you know you a you might not even notice the difference and b it's a better ad for you and for the advertisers so yeah it could be bad or good it's just something i came up with but um all right and then uh are you going to and i haven't used the experience but are you going to have a um like a virtual hand or be able to do things with when you're watching the vr you're going to be able to pinch or expand or use your hand to move things or mark things up, or is it just watching and, you know, moving between views? Yeah, I mean, we, we have to, the the world of VR today is, is split across a number of different input devices. There's a big difference between an input device that's being tracked, which means the computer knows where the input device is in a 3D space. Like uh, the HTC Vive has two hand controllers and the Oculus now is offering something called the touch, which are two independent left and right controller that are being tracked. Same as your head is being tracked, right? Uh, when you're talking about game pads, when you're talking about the Oculus remote, the computer doesn't know where that object is in, in the virtual world because it's not being tracked. Um, okay. So I think like we're gen one of VR, I suspect in the next two or three years, the number of uh, points of tracking that we will see, like at least hand tracking for sure, everybody right. will want to be able to, you'll want to know where the person's hands are, are are within VR at all times. And head right. tracking and eye tracking would be amazing as well. So yeah, we there is a ton of, our product, we're still working on what kind of gesture support we want to have. like. If you even look at Facebook and Oculus, their Oculus is owned by Facebook. They've come up with two very different approaches to how they're gonna, to how they're gonna handle um, avatars and social engagement and using hands. Um, right. Anyway, to answer your question, like directly, seeing using your hands in, in the most natural way possible, and also the combination of seeing another avatar and knowing that their head and their hands are being tracked. So when they wave to you, you know that they're waving in the real world. Like when their height gets really low, there's a a product called rec room. If you ever get to try it, it's really cool. It's like a little thing with like paintball and um, dodgeball and some, some basic like really physics kind of games. But in Mm -hmm. rec room, you, um, if you see somebody, 
where their avatar's head is close to the ground and their hands are close to the ground, that means in the real world, that person in their house is like squatting or crouching or what, like, it's just, you, you can read so much already into what the other people are having to do in the real world to make their avatars look the way they do in the virtual world. It's, um, it, it's cool. It's, it's surprisingly, you get a lot more emotion and context um even just tracking hands and head uh than you do through any kind of traditional like video game or or online game or like a world of warcraft or something right right makes sense all right so i'm sorry to take you on all these diversions but let's let's go back to uh i guess ironically enough reality so what what sports uh, do you currently support? Which ones are in the works? You know, what's the near and far-term future for virtually live? Sure. So we do Formula E, and then we've had a couple different um, partnerships, some of which we've talked about publicly, some of which we haven't in the in the world of soccer, uh, you know, European football. Um, so those are our two primary, like, active development um products or projects or whatever you want to call them. Um, hmm. Soccer we're doing because it's the most popular sport in the world. And if you can do soccer, you know, you're, you're reaching across every possible uh, country and age range. I mean, the most, as much as Americans love to talk about uh, like the Super Bowl or the World Series or the NBA Finals, you know, something like the World Cup or the Champions League, or even a, a random Saturday in, in the English Premier League has four or five hundred million um, viewers. Um, so uh, so yeah, we're going to do soccer for sure. We're working through okay. a couple different um, projects on that. Then we've got Formula E. I mean, I can't really speak to longer to any other like active stuff that's going on, but I'll put it this way. Any sport that you see on TV where you're getting like advanced infographics. So if you think about mm-hmm. baseball and what they're able to do with like the pitching stats, or if you think about um, like NFL, for instance, they they work with a company called Zebra where they put two chips, one in each shoulder. That's how they're able to uh, now tell you like what speed was that right wide receiver running or um you know, total distance that a player is run or any of right. the, the kind of like super high quality um, performance data, it's happening in baseball, it's happening in basketball, it's happening in football, it's happening in soccer. Um, obviously, the world of motorsports for us is incredibly rich because the the kind of telemetry that, that these cars have in them is, is amazing. I mean, you're you're dealing with GPS mm-hmm. data, Plus, you're getting all kinds of data about the, you know, the heat of all the components within the car. You're getting the steering wheel rotation. You're getting tire pressure. You're getting whatever. You're getting like 180 right. different right. points of measurement. And then you run that through a pretty awesome machine learning algorithm. And then it's able to basically um, predict where the car is and where the car should be at the next you know, 10th of a second. And that's what we're mm-hmm. using to, to drive our, our CGI engine. 
do you think that um, in the near future you'll be able to capture enough of the players or drivers or you know someone that's actually in this event's experience where someone could choose to relive the event from the perspective of that person, you know, the driver in a car, see what they see, feel what they feel with haptic feedback? Oh yeah, that would be. Player. Yeah, I mean, someday I'd, I'm I, I I wonder whether it's like three years away because it's going to happen so quickly or whether it's 20 years away. But the idea of like putting on a suit, you know, something like Ready Player One um, and having all these like sensors that are that are giving you haptic feedback. Um, the thing that we can do today, which I kind of glossed over, I should have brought up earlier is like, you know, American sports is a ton of, of downtime between plays. Um, mm -hmm. It's very uh, reasonable, assuming like you you have the right rights and permissions with uh, with the leagues and the team. That like after each play, you could offer a mini game where the user would, let's say it's baseball, where the user could go into the batter's box and try and see if they could hit the series of pitches that the pitcher just did. Right. So like right. you can. Um, use the dead time between innings or between timeouts or whatever to put the, to put the user into a more interactive, more traditional video game mode and let them call the play and see if they do something better than what happened in the real world. It, it to make it like right. super real and concrete in formula E we, we always debate the merits of adding a, an extra car at the end of the race at the back, you know, having a 21st car who starts behind all the other cars and letting a user jump into that ghost car. So users would have the experience of trying to beat the real world drivers as they drive the race. Now, how this would be different than a, than a video game is like the other drivers don't know you're there, right? So the other drivers aren't going to move out of the way if you, try and crash into them. So you'd have to come up with right. some interesting like rules around um, collisions, for instance, that would, that would basically like the person, that's why we call it, you know, ghost driver or whatever, like you're kind of a ghost in this other world. So you are racing in real time against what's happening in the real world, but none of the other drivers know you're there. So it would fall on the mm -hmm. user to like, to know to build up a kind of like instinct that like i if i go if i try and cut on the inside of this other car that other car doesn't know i'm there so they're going to take a really tight line so i'm going to be penalized potentially for um for for a collision that wouldn't have happened in the real world because the driver would have avoided me in the real world anyway you can get into some okay, gotcha, gotcha. you can get into some really cool hybrid um stuff that is taking what's happening in real time in the real world and allowing mm. users, allowing fans to, to, to like race against the real drivers in during the race. But it, but it, you know, comes with certain um, design decisions and trade-offs and all this other stuff. Well, the first step would be just for the people to experience what the athlete or the professional experience. And then, the next level, right, would be for them to actually, hey, let's see how you do versus that person in the same situation. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I think for just for most people, um, 
like being on, on a football field during a live play and realizing how quickly, like, so the one thing I think you asked early on, like what makes this different is like, you're standing there and the players are, are feel and look human, you know, like they're, they're not, they're not, um, was I, so like the movement and the, and the pace at which things happen in, in VR and your understanding of it's getting you much closer to a, to a, to what it would be like if you were an athlete and had played that sport. Like it allows you kind of a window into what three seconds feels like when there's all this commotion happening right in front of you. Right. Got it. Okay. Well, anything, um, you know, I've been running you all over the place with what about this? What about that? (laughs) Anything that you wanted to talk about that um, we haven't gotten the chance to cover yet? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think, um, you know, there's the the world of VR has was kind of like the most hyped technology in 2016 in a way that was mm-hmm. probably no you know like when the rubber hit the pavement for the first time um and projections and projections were replaced with actual sales figures i think there was some some people who got a little um discouraged or, or kind of are worried, you know, is VR going to be a fad or, or anything like that? Right. I think uh, for anybody listening to this podcast, yourself included, like if you haven't, there's enough of these things in the wild. You probably know if you're, if you're an early tech person, you probably know somebody who has an Oculus or an HTC or a PlayStation VR. Um, I would recommend everybody go out and, and try and experience for themselves before they draw any, you know, negative opinions about vr if you try it and like get motion sick and it's not something you're interested in that's that's something i think is is up to each person to to make that decision but like i still um i think 17 you will is probably going to be very similar still to the early days of the iphone before it had an app store and then i'm hoping by 18 and you're talking about what Google's doing, and you're talking about what Oculus is doing with some of their hybrid uh, headset. The what the heck is it called? It's like Santa Cruz, or like a Pico mm. VR or something. So this already the form factors are going to be shrunk by 50%. They're going to be untethered, some of them much more mobile, lighter. Um, gra- you know, the screen resolution will increase. Um, I think when we get to that point, then then you'll see this thing take off. But anyway, I'm kind of rambling too. I guess my no putting on my my uh, preacher, uh, trying to be an advocate uh, for the for the industry overall. Like, there's still a bunch of people I meet uh, who are in tech who haven't tried VR yet, and I'd I'd like I'd ask everybody who's interested in tech to to try and figure out a way. You know, even Best Buy, I think is doing demos. Well, I was going to tell people, yeah, like last night I went to Best Buy with my son and they had the Oculus Rift and, you know, we weren't able to try it there, but we're going to get one and try it. And a month ago I did, I went and took a test drive of a Tesla and I put it on autonomous mode and it drove itself. So yeah, I, I agree with you totally. The best way to experience this is to experience it and to see what's real and what's fantasy, you know, and then uh, you'll have a more informed opinion of what's going on. But 
you know, part of your job and everyone's job is to hype it and get people really excited because that's that's what dri- drives adoption, early adoption. So, yeah. Yeah, I know it's it's uh it's always when you're working on bleeding technology, both the VR headsets and then what we're trying to do in the world of live events and social VR. Um, you, you know, you you wanna you wanna express the enthusiasm that you have, which I hope came through in our in our conversation. But you also, you know, have to temper it and be like, hey, it's it's like we're as a category or as a as a technology, it's still early on in its you know adoption curve. It's probably it hasn't even crossed the chasm yet, or whatever you know kind of um, metaphor. Yeah, yeah, you want to use. Exactly. But anyway, thanks a lot for for um, reaching out. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been a really good interview, and I, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's going to be really exciting to anyone that likes sports at all. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what, what comes out of it. So the last question is, um, how can listeners find out more about Virtually Live? Um, how do they contact you? How do they start to experience what you have to offer? Sure. So if you own an Oculus HTC Vive, we're on Viveport, we're on Steam with a, a season two highlight package, which is about 20 minutes of content. It's it's highlights from a couple races last season. We're working on some new content for season three for Formula E. Uh, we'll, we're, we'll be up on the Oculus store early in January, and then we're coming to PlayStation VR um, in the spring. So for people who have headsets um, or have friends who have headsets, you can try what we're doing, at least the Formula E version of it um, today, right now. And, you know, we, cool. we're hoping to be able to share a bunch of really exciting news about what we're doing in soccer, um, kind of maybe in the middle of next year. So, and mm-hmm. obviously you can, you know, you can go to our Twitter and our Facebook or our website and we regularly post uh videos and announcements and and talk about what we're what we're working on okay sounds great and thanks for your time and i appreciate it yeah thanks a lot bye you've been listening to almost here around the corner of future technology podcast with richard jacobs subscribe to this podcast both to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as bitcoin artificial intelligence 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.